Indeed, what a beautiful and powerful music to start us off this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio or watching on Facebook. We're blessed that you are part of our service and hope that you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us this morning. For the announcements, please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. Also look to the church website. There's a lot of timely and good information on it. The church does a good job of, uh, the church staff does a good job of updating information there. The uh, website address is firstchurchnk.org. Thank you, Terry Wissman, for the prelude on the organ. We will hear more from Terry later in the service. <clears throat> we extend our love and sympathy to the family of Kathy Schrolicky. She was laid to rest on Friday, April 1st. The flower arrangements here in front on the altar are from her memorial service. We also send love and sympathy to Harold Lunsford, who entered into Christ's care last Sunday, March 27th in Minnesota. There will be a memorial service for Harold here at First Church on May 9th. Now please rise and join me for the call to worship. It is taken from Zephaniah. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Daughter Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And with that, with that let's sing to the Lord, goodness of God.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I want to invite forward Eloise K. Miller for the sacrament of baptism with her parents Marshall and Haley Miller. Good morning. You guys can stand right over on this side. Good morning. I'm glad you guys decided to come up here today, too, because it really is about the family, isn't it? I have to share a funny story, though. So when I went over to visit them to talk about this day and go over what we were doing, Carolyn was a little shy that day. She didn't even want to. She, she would come up and look at me, but wouldn't talk to me at all. So I'm glad you were brave enough to come up here and join us today, too. <laughs> this is wonderful. Well, today we get the opportunity to celebrate baptism once again. Um, and that song that we just sang is a, is a great picture of, of what this is all about, the goodness of God following us all the days of our life. Um, I can't help but think of Psalm 23, which reminds us that God's love and faithfulness will follow us all the days of our life, and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that word there for follow in the psalm can mean to, be, to chase after or to, or to pursue. And so um, this is a great example of God's love chasing after us and pursuing us from our earliest days all the way through our life. And this is a great opportunity for us to reflect on that promise and remember his love for us. I want to invite you to hear these words, which are an invitation and promise to all of us. Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's in obedience to this command that we baptize believers and their children. Also on the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached about the death and resurrection of Christ, and the crowd was cut to the heart and wondered what they would do, what they should do, Peter tells them this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so Marshall and Haley, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Eloise be baptized today? Praise God. And so as we've often talked about before and we talked about the other day, obviously Eloise is, is a little too young to make a profession of faith herself this morning. So as her parents and as your family gathered here, it's an opportunity for you all to, to profess that faith. And in doing so, you are not only professing it for yourself, but you're promising that it's in that same faith that you will raise Eloise in the Lord and teach her to love the Lord and follow him just as you are committing to do as well. And so I invite you to respond to each of these questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you, do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers? Praise God. Now, church family, I invite you to join with us now as we recite the Apostles' Creed, an example of the faith that we share and hold dear. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life, and we thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author and giver of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. And so I pray that you would bless and sustain this child, draw her to yourself just as, you, just as Jesus welcomed children during his ministry. And may she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill this promise that they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, Marshall and Haley, we come to a part where we get to reflect on this promise and this commitment that you're making today. Again, the focus is on her in so, much, so many ways, but it's about the promise that you guys are making to raise her in the Lord and to, to teach her to know Jesus in the way that you know him and follow him. And so I ask you these questions as a vow and as a promise that you're making to her and to both all of your family to, to continue to follow Jesus throughout your life. And so do you promise to instruct Eloise by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to instruct her within the, to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We do. Praise God. And church family, as you've heard so many times before, right, it's, we have a responsibility here today because it really does require the church family to come alongside this family and support them and encourage them in the, in the commitment they're making today. You know, that's fulfilled in, in a lot of, um, formal ways such as the ministry of the church and Sunday school and, and confirmation and youth ministry as she grows older, but it's also in the informal ways of, of the words of encouragement and the love and the support that a church family can provide. And so church family, brothers and sisters, we, as we receive Eloise into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church. For we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and help you to know and follow Christ. Amen. All right, Eloise, are you willing to come to me? Hey, sweetie. You got the bulletin, too. Hi. I know. See, Mom's right there. You don't have anything to worry about. Hi, sweetie. Eloise, in the name of the Father, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made possible through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. 
And we pray for Eloise. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of your love and deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil and enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we ask that you look with kindness on Marshall and Haley. Let them always rejoice in the gift that you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Eloise to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We just made it, didn't we? (laughs) Congratulations. We have a Bible and a certificate for you guys to take home today. And of course, the white rose on the altar is for you as well. As they go back to their seats, we want to invite the children to come forward for children's chat at this time. And why don't you take a moment to greet your neighbor as well? goodness I think you guys are still sleeping good morning. good morning oh that's getting better that's getting better hey now I know I'm not a very good singer but I I have this one song and I want to know if you guys have ever heard of it before it goes something like this the foot bones connected to the leg bone the leg bones connected to the knee bone the knee bones connected to the thigh bone Excellent. And you've heard him sing it. Excellent. Anybody else heard that song? No, you've never heard that song? I heard it on on the iPad, on my grandma's grandpa's iPad while I was there on the party for 10 minutes. Okay, for your 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Our scripture today is about a prophet named Ezekiel. Can you say that? Ezekiel. Ezekiel, yeah. He lived a really long time ago. And God spoke to Ezekiel and he said, Ezekiel, follow me. And Ezekiel followed God to an area that had a lot of bones in it. Just bones. Does that sound like a cool place to visit? No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. And God asked Ezekiel, do you think these bones could come alive again? What do you think? Well, Ezekiel wasn't sure if they could or not, but God told Ezekiel to go ahead and speak to the bones, to talk to them about the things God can do. And God can do a lot of awesome things, can't he? 
Yeah, he can. So Ezekiel did. And slowly the bones began to rattle. What do you think that sounded like? What do, you, what do you think that sounded like? Did it sound kind of creepy? It sounded like they were alive. It did. They were coming alive. And then muscles and skin appeared on those bones until Ezekiel saw a whole crowd of people. And with God's help, Ezekiel commanded them all to come to life. Now, did Ezekiel make that happen? Or did God make that happen? God made that happen. And did God do that just to show off, to say, hey, look at me? No. No. He did it to show Ezekiel that he could do for Ezekiel's people, the Israelites, he could help them in a time of trouble. Okay? Does God help us when we're in trouble? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. And so when we're going through hard times, or we're just having a really bad day. God is there with us. And he knows that there are better times ahead. We just have to get through these tough times and look forward to the good times. Okay? Now, there's a lot of songs out there that have a lot of good messages in them. And we're going to sing a song at the end of the service today that's about dried bones. Is it rattle? It is. It's rattle. Yeah. Okay. So when we sing that song, we're going to be thinking about Ezekiel and how God helped them bones come to life. Okay. Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these eager hearts and minds that they want to learn and know you more. Help us to remember that you are walking near and dear with us, even during the bad times and that you know there are good times ahead for each of us. Please keep us healthy and safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. See you later. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids. Just a reminder for us here today, um, our offering this morning goes to support the general fund. So as the deacons collect the offering this morning, if you feel inclined to give to support the ministry here at First Church, your offering will go to support the general fund this morning. I also want to take this opportunity to just remind us of a, a, um, what's happening next week. So next week is Palm Sunday and Confirmation Sunday. So if you have a Sunday school age child, we're going to be having them wave palm branches during the prelude. I believe a, a postcard either went. I did have the opportunity to do that during the prelude. And it's also Confirmation Sunday. You'll be hearing from two of our confirmation graduate, or two confirmation graduates, their faith statement. And we'll have an opportunity as a church family to acknowledge them and pray for them and uh, hear from them next week. So very excited about what's happening next Sunday. Um, so with that being said, I do want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering as we hear from the choir this morning.
The next song that we're going to sing in our service this morning is from our hymnals. It's number 191, There is Power in the Blood. It's a great reminder of, again, the importance of Christ's death and resurrection that we celebrate this time of year. And we just heard the choir reminding us as well, Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised to life again for our justification. We're so thankful for that. And this song is a great opportunity for us to celebrate that and what it means for us in our lives. So I encourage you to remain standing if you're able as we sing number 191, There is Power in the Blood. you to pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and whose blood was shed for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And Lord, we know that there is power in the blood. We know that it is through his sacrifice that we are made new, that we are transformed, that we are born again through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for us. We thank you, Lord, for your your provision in our lives. Lord, we see that in its its entirety and in the perfect example for us on the cross. 
We also see it, Lord, every day in the guidance of your spirit and the way that you, you direct our steps. Lord, your word calls us to depend on you, to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you and you will make our path straight. So, Lord, because we've seen your power displayed on the cross, because we've experienced your grace and forgiveness through faith, we now entrust ourselves to you and ask that you would guide and direct our steps. Lord, there are individuals who need you. Lord, we all need you, but but need you in a particular way. And so we ask that you would guide and direct them. You'd provide what is needed. You would heal those who are in need of it. And Lord, that you would provide wisdom and and illumination from your word, Lord, for those who, who desire to know you more. Lord, as we look at this world that we live in today, we are reminded that it's, it's not just us who need you, Lord, but it's everyone. It's, it's our neighbors, it's our communities, it's our nation, it's the world that we live in, Lord. And all of the, the institutions and groups and, and, and people, Lord, that, that are lost, they need to hear your good news proclaimed. And so we ask, Lord, that that your gospel would go forth, that your word would be proclaimed, that you would be known, not just here in our church family, but, but outside of these walls, that we would carry the message of hope and grace and forgiveness with us wherever we go, and that we would support and encourage those who are who are taking the gospel overseas, that are serving in other areas, Lord, that they may have a, a kingdom impact in those places as well. Lord, you, your word calls us to pray for those who are in authority over us. And so this day we pray for our, our state government. We pray for our governor, our legislatures, our courts, and other elected and appointed officials. May they have wisdom, godly wisdom, Lord, to lead well. May, they, may, may decisions that are made be honoring of, of you and reflect your character and your will. And Lord, may, may those who are in those positions have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness because we know your word says that they will be filled. And so we pray now also for those who are, who are uh, in authority here in this church family. And we thank you for, for our consistory. We thank you for our elders, our deacons, our trustees, those who volunteer of their time to, to serve and to lead well. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to grant them wisdom and, and discernment as they make decisions that, um, and, and, and make decisions, Lord, that to lead this church family and this church body well. And may you honor those, Lord, who, who do sacrifice their time and their energy and efforts to do that. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Invite Sharon forward for our scripture reading today. Today's scripture reading is from Ezekiel 3, verses 16 through 19. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. 
When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Amen. Thank you. This time I want to invite forward Mr. Terry Wisman. Terry, this was some time ago. I'm not exactly sure when, a month or two ago, you had approached me about wanting to share again, as you've done a couple times on Sunday mornings already. And, and so we were sitting down and having a chat, and, and today's the day. So we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to hearing what God has placed on your heart. Um, and also, you notice he pulled double duty today. He figured, and that, that wasn't me putting that on him. You know, he figured while you're here, you might as well play the organ too, right? So worked out really well, and I appreciate your willingness to, to serve in both of those capacities and to share what God has placed on your heart. I'd like to pray for you and then turn it over to you. Father God, we thank you for Terry. We thank you for, um, for his love for you and your love for him, Lord. I pray now that uh, you would uh, speak through him, through your Holy Spirit, give him words to speak, and I pray that you would soften our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The beautiful majesty of a star-filled sky. The daffodils blossoms announcing the arrival of spring. The browns of winter transform to vibrant greens. Watching a flight of pelicans in perfect formation glide to a coordinated landing in the channel behind our home. A beautiful sunrise topped only by a more beautiful sunset. These and so much more are gifts from God. Let us rejoice and give thanks. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, make us ever mindful of your generous gifts, and let us never forget that you created us in your image and freely grant us the miracle of your eternal grace. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. When I started the journey to today's message, I truly didn't know what I didn't know. Usually when you start a journey, you have a destination in mind and decide the best route to get there. Not this time. I must admit I had absolutely no idea where God was leading me and for what purpose. For some reason, God had nudged me to take a deep dive into watchmen and gatekeepers. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I don't know. <clears throat> the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. It was time to call for reinforcements, and I knew just where to go. Pastor Joel, help. And he did, but I'm getting ahead of my story. Before I met with Pastor Joel, I discovered that watchmen and gatekeepers are found throughout the Bible. The duty of a watchman is to be vigilant and warn the people of approaching danger. He or she is to discern and describe the nature of the threat. Sound the alert, inform the people and the gatekeeper. 
the gatekeeper who consults with the king and tells the people of God's wishes. The gatekeeper is the intercessor between the people and the king, if I may interpret. The watchman sounds the alarm and the gatekeeper consults with the king, who is God, through prayer and God's words recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And the gatekeeper informs the people of the path God wishes them to follow. At this point, I went back and revisited the message that Pastor Joel and I presented almost two years ago. It was entitled, Under Assault. It's worth your time to review it. In that message, it became quite apparent that I was, without knowing it, 50% watchman and 50% rookie gatekeeper, and Pastor Joel was 100% awesome gatekeeper. Wow, who knew? Well, I'm sure God knew, and I'll bet Pastor Joel knew too. Okay, so I was clueless, but better late than never to the party. 6, verses 16 through 19, we read, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Hear you earth. I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 6, we find, If a watchman sees evil coming and doesn't blow the trumpet, warning the people and evil triumphs, I'll hold the watchman responsible for the bloodshed of any unwarned sinner. Gatekeepers and watchmen, you are to speak out. The Lord has called you out to be bold. After reading these scriptures, I looked upward and said, Okay, you've got my full attention now. I need to make a phone call. And I did, didn't I? <laughs> After some discussion, Pastor Joel asked me if I would share the message that God had placed upon my heart, and I agreed with only one condition. He needed to provide an awesome gatekeeper to complete today's message. I did have a person in mind that could do the job and made a strong recommendation. He agreed, so here I am, and so is he. It is important to realize in this fallen world that there are also evil watchmen and evil gatekeepers. The evil watchmen spread the narrative. They follow Satan's plan and tell lie after lie after lie. The supply of evil watchmen seems to be endless, but I bet God's keeping track. Evil gatekeepers seem to be just as much in abundance. Evil gatekeepers are the statist apologists who control information, broadcast and publish lies, suppress the truth, continually call us who dare to ask questions, racists and other cruel names, 
cancel your Twitter account, censor your speech, and breathlessly wait for any opportunity to take away your freedom. The list goes on and on and gets worse and more insane every day. But you get the point. Now that you have a basic understanding of watchmen and gatekeepers, I need to get back to my watchman duties. A perfect storm is a meteorological event aggravated by a rare combination of circumstances. It is the confluence of two or more meteorological phenomena, phenomena that causes an unusually severe storm. In the case of a perfect storm, the catastrophic result is significantly more powerful and dangerous than the sum of its individual parts. Perfect storms are real, and they do happen. If you're a George Clooney fan and have seen the movie The Perfect Storm, which is based on the true story of a perfect storm that caused millions of dollars of damage and destroyed the fishing vessel Andrea Gale and their crew was lost off the Massachusetts coast, a coast, you have some idea what I'm talking about. On a personal note, as a person who has logged over 7,000 miles cruising the Great Lakes and knows of rogue waves that can reach as high as 20 feet or more on a fairly calm day, The Perfect Storm is definitely not one of my favorite movies. Unfortunately, perfect storms are not limited to nature. We have a perfect storm brewing right now. Throughout the world, totalitarian leaders and those who would wish to be, along with multinational corporations, big tech, and others, are independently and aggressively pursuing actions whose ultimate goal is absolute control of us, the people, and the abolishment of freedom and God-given rights, and ultimately God himself. Let's briefly look at the tools that are used to achieve totalitarian control, and you decide if anything sounds familiar. Censorship, mandates, misinformation, political imprisonment, defunding police, lies on top of lies, followed by, guess what, even more outrageous lies, encouraging division and segregation by race, a breakdown in social order, letting criminals run free, disinformation, cancel culture, gender fluidity, an obsessive need to control the narrative, which means the body of lies that are currently being foisted upon us, calling us who disagree with the narrative racist, terrorist, white supremacist, unpatriotic, and so forth. Need I continue? I could. Each faction has its own objectives and its own methods for achieving its goals. One faction says they wish to save the planet. One wishes to purge the world of infidels to achieve religious purity. One professes the desire for equity. Think servitude. For everyone and several others simply want to build empires for them to rule. Once you tear away the facade, there's nothing left but pure evil. These factions are now moving ahead with their plans simultaneously, and the potential results will be devastating. The ends, take your pick, justify the means. Unfortunately, a necessary step in achieving these evil objectives is encouraging more and more chaos to ensure fear 
and facilitate restrictions and edicts to crush freedom, including religious freedom, for everyone, except for the elites, of course. They are always exempt from the edicts they impose on the unwashed masses. That's you and me. As a watchman, it is my task to blow the trumpet and warn you of impending danger. No matter how serious you think things might be, it is my duty to alert you and caution you that things are going to get worse, much, much worse than you believe. Our perfect storm is forming right now. The threat is real and it is imminent. You're not going to be able to sit this one out. Unfortunately, you are only seeing right now the tip of this evil iceberg. The real powerful dangers that lie hidden below the surface include things like modern monetary theory, CRT, ESG, BLM, digitizing the dollar, government corporate corruption and collusion, the Green New Deal, unsustainable national debt, and religious persecution. You might even argue that some of these things sound good. However, if you dig deep enough through the lofty narrative, you'll find danger and disaster. The words of a 16th century philosopher may be of some help for us. Voltaire was a respected and famous writer, historian, and philosopher. He said, those that have the power to make you believe absurdities have the power to make you commit atrocities. He also said, if you want to know who controlled you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. Very wise words from a very wise man. I'm reminded of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 17, that I mentioned, said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Please remember, I'm only a watchman. It's not my job to convince you of anything. I'm only here to warn you. What you do is completely up to you. But be aware you are being deceived. It's Satan's way. He's the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Since Pastor Joe and I presented our message under assault some time ago, a certain scripture passage has become my inspiration and refuge. I keep a copy right here in the front of my Bible. Whenever I pick it up, it's either the first thing that I read or the last thing I read before I put it back on the shelf. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I have added one sentence below this passage. The day of evil has come. I have given the warning and I thank God every day that we have been blessed with an awesome gatekeeper. Thank you, Terry. One thing that you said, well, I appreciate what you said here this morning. One thing that really stuck out to me that you mentioned is just kind of the chaos that that we're experiencing in our world today. And I feel like conversations I've had with a lot of individuals recently just just highlight that this these last couple of years, whether it's been COVID or political and social unrest, um, the war in Ukraine happening now, or any other number of things that is going on in the world that's just created a sense of chaos where it feels like the, the ground beneath our feet is, is shifting. And it feels like there is just a lot of uncertainty and, and people often don't know what to do or how to respond. And so uh, with the time that we have remaining, what I want to do is just highlight um, some uh, follow-up, I guess. Uh, I don't know another way to put this, but but I've after talking with Terry and, and discussing uh, the thing that God had placed on his heart, I've been praying about what to share with you in response to that. And so um, to be quite honest, I probably have a whole other sermon right here on my, on my iPad, but I will try to uh, be, be succinct here this morning and share with you what God has placed on my heart in response to what Terry just shared with you. The first thing we need to remember is that when, when chaos is, is happening, when it feels like everything is shifting, when it feels like things in this world are working against the Lord and his kingdom and his purposes. We need to remember that we need to ourselves as individuals, but also as a church, put his kingdom above all of our, all earthly kingdoms, right? Every human institution, every philosophy is fallible and temporary and no political party, no economic policy, no cultural perspective will ultimately save us, right? Only Christ can save us. Psalm 33 reminds us that no king is saved by the size of his army, right? No horse is saved by its great strength, that, that the true deliverance, true salvation ultimately comes from the Lord, not anything that this world has to offer. Too many people put their hope of salvation, put their hope of meaning and purpose in the things of this world. Again, whether it's political parties, economic philosophies, cultural perspectives, right? We, we think that that perspective or that worldly thing is going to save us, but only God can do that through Christ. And so we need to be willing as Christians to abandon, abandon any worldly philosophy that doesn't reflect his kingdom. In Matthew 10, Jesus reminds us that anyone who loves their father or mother more than me, this is Jesus speaking, is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, is Jesus saying we must hate our earthly families? Does he say that we must abandon everything that we, that we belong to or are involved in in this world? Of course, I don't think that's what he means. What he means is that we need to put him above all those other things. And so we're following Christ may mean being in contradiction with the rest of the world. We have a decision to make. Are we going to follow Christ? Are we going to put our hope in his word? Are we, going to, are we going to stand on the foundation of faith? Or are we going to 
stand on that shifting ground that we described earlier. So again, when push comes to shove, when we have decisions that we need to make, it's up to us to decide where we are going to fall. And we need to make sure that we, we are willing to abandon worldly philosophies that don't reflect his kingdom. We must love Jesus more and his kingdom more than anything else this world has. And again, that doesn't mean we need to abandon those things or other responsibilities. But what it does mean is that we'll be better spouses, we'll be better parents, we'll be better children, we'll be better employees and bosses. And yes, we'll be better citizens of this world when we are citizens of his his kingdom first and foremost. We also need to filter how we view and interact with the world through the lens of Scripture. Many of you probably own a pair of polarized sunglasses, right? The The reason why polarized sunglasses work so well is that the lenses are designed to only allow waves of light in that are going in a particular direction, right? Light comes in and all, right, you know, light from the sun is coming in all sorts of directions, but polarized lenses filter out all those other ones that don't line up and only allow one particular direction of, of wave to pass through. That's why it blocks out all the other ones and makes it darker on your eyes. All right, we need to allow Scripture to be our filtering lens, right? We need, to, we need to be able to look at the world we live in and filter out all of the competing philosophies, all the competing perspectives that don't line up with the kingdom, that don't line up with his word. And we need to be able to filter those out, set them aside, and truly trust and follow what lines up with God's word. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in this world that, that view their faith through the lens of their worldview rather than the other way around. They filter out God's word Right? And they only believe and trust what they already think lines up with the way that they view the world. But we need to do it the other way around. We need to start with God's word and then compare everything else we experience in this world. Again, philosophies, political parties, economic policies, you name it. We need to filter it through the lens of God's word and allow this to dictate how we view everything else. And we also need to remember that his kingdom is victorious. All earthly kingdoms and philosophies will eventually succumb to his kingdom. Revelation 11:15 reminds us that the kingdoms of this world has be again this is a future oriented promise. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Right? Eventually everything will be subject to Christ's rule and reign because he is victorious and he is king of kings. So all kingdoms and all philosophies that oppose God will either be destroyed or transformed. So that's why we need to set, seek his kingdom first. Next week at Confirmation Sunday, you'll hear life verses of our confirmation students. I never went through confirmation when I was, when I was younger, but if I had to pick a verse for myself, it'd be Matthew 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Again, Jesus is pitting our worldly concerns versus our eternal priorities. If we seek his kingdom first, then everything else will fall into its proper place. And so we need to put his kingdom above all. Now, with all that being said, we also need to remember that we do live in this world and the things that we do do matter, right? The, 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 the groups that we're involved in, the way that we conduct ourselves really does make a difference. And so we need to make sure that we, we seek his kingdom above all earthly kingdoms. But while we are here, it also is important for us to participate 
as we are able in the world that we live in to make a difference for him. In Jeremiah 29, as as the prophet is inspired by the Lord to write a letter to the exiles in Babylon, he tells them to settle in, right? To plant gardens, to, to pray for the prosperity and peace of Babylon, right? They're exiles living in this foreign territory that had conquered them, that had done all these terrible things to them. And yet the Lord says, put down roots, right? Make a difference where you've been placed. So I believe it's important for us as Christians not only to seek his kingdom first in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, right, in terms of our own priorities and our own, our own perspectives, but also be able to influence the world that we live in as practically as possible to reflect God's kingdom as well. Paul and other New Testament writers had no concept of representative democracies or constitutional republics when they wrote commands like obey the governing authorities, right? For them, Caesar was law and there was no converse, there was no discussion. But we have, a, we have a role to play. As American citizens, we have a role to play. And so we can participate and we can do so in a way that honors God and reflects the principles of his kingdom. And so it's important for us to vote intelligently, vote independently, vote faithfully. Right? Don't give blind faith to any one party or candidate or worldly philosophy, but look at issues where each candidate stands and vote as a, in a way to honor God in that process. Vote for people and policies that are in line with biblical views because they do make a difference. And we need to know the words so that we can vote for candidates and policies that reflect God's character. The Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? God's kingdom will not be established through political parties or legislations, but we can promote those candidates and policies that better reflect the principles of God's kingdom and his character. And that's an important thing for us to do. We need to pray. Right? I know that. Now, don't hear that as a cop-out answer. It is so important. We need to pray. We need to intercede for our community. We need to pray for our leaders. And yes, even the ones that we disagree with as well. We need to pray for revival. Pray that truth will be recognized as truth. That good will be recognized as good. And yes, that evil will be recognized as evil and dealt with accordingly. Remember, prayer is not a last resort. It's the main weapon in our arsenal. So we need to pray boldly. We need to pray believing prayers. And we need to pray in Jesus' name, which again is a, re, is, is a way to talk about praying according to his character and his will, not just our own. We need to focus on Jesus. As we look at, and Terry did a great job of highlighting some of the passages in Scripture that talked about keeping watch. If you were to, to look at the whole survey in Scripture, you notice a lot of times it says to keep watch to make sure you are able to identify evil and keep it at bay. And that's what Terry talked about here this morning. But we also need to remember that part of the call to keep watch isn't just to be looking out for evil, but to keep your eyes on Christ and to be ready for his return. It's easy to succumb to fear when we focus our, all of our attention on the enemy. Instead, we need to make sure we keep our focus on Jesus on his word, his promises, his faithfulness. In the book of 2 Kings, there's a story about Elisha, the prophet. The town that he was in was coming under siege from an enemy army. And one of his servants came up to him and, and was afraid. He said, look out, what are we going to do? 
The enemy is surrounding us. And Elisha says, those who are on our side are greater than those who are on their side. And Elisha prays that the servant's eyes would be open. And when he does so, he looks out and surrounding the enemy army was an entire angel army, right? The, the whole host of heaven was surrounding the enemy. Now, did they just appear out of nowhere? No, of course, they were already there. Elisha just had the eyes to see what was really happening, right? When, when the servant looked out, all he saw was the enemy and he was terrified, but Elisha was able to look out and see what God was doing, that God is victorious, that God had a plan, that God had a purpose. And it was God that would accomplish the victory. We need to look out at our world. And yes, we need to identify the enemy. We need to see where they are. We need to know their tactics. But we also need to look out and see what God is doing, see where God is at work and remember and know that he is victorious. And that he has already won the victory for us in Christ. And so we need to stand firm in that power and victory. Pastor Tony Evans says that we are not fighting for victory when we talk about fighting spiritual battles or fighting uh, against the enemy and his tactics. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because that victory has already been won. So finally, one more thing. Practically speaking, what does this mean for us? It means that we need to decide now how we're going to act and respond later when we are confronted with challenges. We do need to think deeply about hard topics and, and what is happening in this world. We need to, as one preacher once said, we need to approach, we need to approach every day with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Right? We need to look at the world that we live in and what's going on and look at it from a biblical perspective. What does Scripture say about this particular issue or this particular event? So we need to think deeply about those things and even challenge ourselves by reading and having a conversation, even sometimes with people or things that we disagree with. Right? Broaden our perspective and attempt to understand where the other side is coming from. And in doing so, we will reinforce what we believe and why we believe it. Like I said, we need to know where we stand ahead of time. The moment you're confronted with a difficult decision is not the time to weigh pros and cons about the issue. Right? In the moment, the decision needs to be made. So we need to lay the foundation now for how we will live then. We need to prepare ourselves now for how we're going to live when we're confronted with difficult things, when we're confronted with worldviews and perspectives that don't line up with, with what we believe to be true. We need to decide now how we're going to live in response to it. So you need to know where you stand so you can make the right decision in the moment. Like the prophet Joshua, or the prophet Joshua but as Joshua says uh, to the people as they're standing in the promised land and he presents to them, uh, you have a, a choice. He says, you can go back and you can, you can worship those gods that your ancestors worship across the river or you can worship the Lord. And he says, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord, right? That's a decision each person, each family, each church needs to make. We need to make that decision to worship him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance that we've had to, to hear from your word and worship you. And I just pray that you would give us the strength to stand firmly in your word offers up. And help us to always know that you have won the victory for us in Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're able, and encourage you to stand and join us as we close out our service by singing Egypt. Thank you.
and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.